Welcome to the Licensing Podcast, where we take what may seem like the extremely boring and try to make it a little less boring. Each episode is geared towards a story to help provide you with some of the background of where these topics come from, why they work the way they work, and what you can do about it on your test. We're going to provide a lot of realism. Unfortunately, you can only provide so much fun. This episode is going to be a little unique. We have a situation where talking about the context of options can be a dual-edged sword. You see, the content of options is one of the more complicated things. There's a lot of math involved, and there's a lot of talking about some of these sides that you're just not familiar with in the real world. So when I talk about the context of that, we run the risk of actually making things more confusing. So the first thing I'm going to do is run a bit of a disclaimer here, which is if you're the kind of person who really needs to know why would I ever want to do a short call, then the next couple of minutes is going to be valuable for you. But there's a real risk here where listening to this story creates a situation that makes it harder, or at least still just as hard, for you to understand the math. And some of you might be getting that math right, and that's kind of what you're banking on in the options section. So it's realistically, these stories that I'm about to say could create more confusion for you. And if that's the case, we certainly don't want that. So I'd say um, a couple minutes in, if this podcast just isn't making sense of all the podcasts, this would be the one that you just want to turn off and go to your local lead and ask them to have it explained a different way or to maybe just focus on the content alone and see if you can get through that section in that manner. So with that groundwork, what I'm going to explain is the part of options that's not in the book. The options content in the material focuses very squarely on this is how you get to max gain, this is how you get to max loss, this is how you reach a break-even, but it doesn't do anything to explain why you would want to use that or when you would want to use that particular strategy, and that's going to be the goal of this episode. As we talk about context for options, what you have to remember is for most option traders, the name of the game is efficiency. In the real world, we want to think about investing in terms of investing profiles. The whole conversation around suitability is not what product works. All products work in the end. It's what product works for you specifically. So if I believe that the market is going to go up, I basically have three or four different ways I could make money in that scenario. I think we can point to uh, well-known traders in each of the different product lines. There are pretty famous traders who made billions of dollars and all they ever traded was stock. There's famous traders who've made billions of dollars and all they've ever traded is options. There are famous traders who have made billions of dollars and all they ever traded was bonds. And then you have those amalgamates. It's really about what makes you comfortable at the end of the day. And that's the impetus behind all of the option conversation. An option trader will buy a long call for the exact same reason that a normal trader will buy stock long. And so you want to get a little bit around that context of what is the investment profile. And it just so happens that when you pick an investment profile, there's two or three right answers, and then you pick the right answer for you. And the right answer for you in the option space is almost always cost. Not always, but almost always. So a case in point, I am a bullish investor. I've decided that I want to put money in. I've got the capital that I can put money in and wait to see if my trade goes right. But I want to maintain a large, healthy dose of the control. I want to be the one deciding when I get in and out of my position. So in the normal world, we tend to think of stock. 
I put all the money up front. If I buy a $40 stock, I buy 100 shares. That's $4,000 out of my pocket, relatively limited controlled amount. And then I wait for as long as I personally want to see if the stock will go up over time. So I was bullish. I had a minimal or at least defined capital outlay going in. And I maintained the control over deciding when I got out, potentially with a large gain to the top. Theoretically, the market is unlimited. Said a different way, though, if I'm bullish, I want to minimize the capital outlay going in and I want the control over how long I can wait for the market to go up. Some of you more savvy option traders are already hearing, well, isn't that the same thing as a long call? And the answer is yes. So why would I do the differences? Well, potentially one of the many reasons is maybe I don't have a lot of cash. $4,000 to invest in stock is a lot of money in stock. I've only got $500 in my pocket. So I'm doing the exact same thing that the stock is doing, but when I buy that call for $2, it's $2 a contract, so there's 100 shares in the contract, that's $200. I've got the same position for a lot less money. And you can see that time in and time out. If you're getting stuck in the nuts and bolts of why does a short call do what it does, then you really just want to focus on, well, what's the product really a good match for? Another great way to pull these two against each other is to think about a bought call versus a short put. Here you have an investor who is interested in the market going up. He's decided to be in options instead of stocks because he wants low capital requirements. And yet even in that space, there's still choices about what makes more sense to him. So we'll take that long call that we just described. Remember, this was a scenario where he put money into the system. It was a very defined low amount, and the upside was unknown, but potentially great. Juxtaposition that with our short put guy. Our short put person still makes money if the market goes up. It is a bullish investor who wants low capital requirements. So why would he pick the short put instead of the long call? Well, in this scenario, as the market goes down, the put goes in the money, which means the short put person is going to have to be delivered. Well, in his case, that means buying the stock. Now, remember, he was probably in the option to begin with because he didn't want to buy the stock. So there's a large capital requirement if he's wrong on this front. You know, if we use the same $40 strike price, he better have $4,000 in his back pocket to cover the buy on the stock side. If the market goes up, he makes money exactly like our long call person did. But now his gain is defined and capped. He gets all of the money from the premium. The option goes out of the money, and he just keeps the premium. So some people see the difference there, and the long call has this large gain, whereas the short put has a capped gain, even though they're in the same direction. And the long call has a, a short capped loss, whereas the short put position has a relatively large loss if he's wrong. And a lot of people look at that and say, well, why on earth would you ever do the short put instead of the long call if you're bullish? And the answer is actually pretty straightforward about how you feel. The long call, you have to put all of the loss in right out of the gate. You start in the worst possible scenario. And if the market moves in your favor, then you'll have something happier happen to you. A lot of people view that as a risk. That's not the way they want to play the game. If we go over to the short put side of the line, remember, we're still bullish, but now you get all your money up front. You're feeling good. You're getting paid immediately. And even better, you don't really have to quote unquote manage anything. In fact, you hope that the long side never comes and talks to you. You want to do nothing. You got paid now. 
you do nothing, and you come out a winner. The psychology of that just feels so good to some people that it's an avenue they want to go down. We see this kind of philosophical argument in multiple leg strategies as well. Let's focus on one that the test likes to talk a lot about, spreads. When you look at a spread, just compare it to what the single leg could have done. Long call versus long call spread. Well, by definition, a long call spread, let's use that bot 40 I've been talking about this whole time. We have a bot 40 call, and then we sell a 50 call, and that's going to make my bot call spread. If I would have just bought the call at 40, I would have paid the premium, and the maximum gain could have potentially been unlimited. But maybe that premium is just too expensive. Maybe I'm finding a way to try and make it cheaper. And at the same time, when was the last time you ever saw a stock actually go to infinity? That's not a really realistic way to think about that. So when I sell that 50 call, I haven't changed the strategy. I'm still bullish. I've still put all of my money on the table up front. But because I sold the 50 call, I made the 40 call a little cheaper. Maybe I paid $8 for the 40 call. Now, instead of having $40 on the table, when I sold the 50 and got a couple dollars back, I'm now less than eight. Still, I put all my money on the table first. I'm still hoping the market goes up, but now it's cheaper for me. If the market does go up, the 50 call will cap my gain. That's a true statement. The non-driver leg in a spread always caps the gain, just like it diminished the loss. That's the dual edge there. But at the same time, it also lowered my break even. So I actually increased the probability of me being right. A stock could go from 40 to 43. That's kind of an uphill battle. But a stock to go from 40 to 48, that's a very big uphill battle. So by willing to sell that 50 call, I reduced the amount of money I would lose if I was wrong. And I made it more likely, or at least easier probability-wise, to be right. And all I had to do was give up a little of potential gain to get that, knowing I was not going to get infinity to begin with anyway. For a lot of people, that's a good trade-off. One last example, the short call spread. In a short call spread, I'm going to sell a 30 call, and I'm going to buy a 35 call. So I've sold the 30. I still want the market to go down so that these go out of the money. But if I would have just sold a 30 call, I had that capped premium, which was the positive if the market went down. But if the market went up, I had an infinite loss potential. And that really scared me. I wanted to make money when the market went down. I, I needed to feel like I was getting money today, but I couldn't handle the unlimited loss. So I buy that 35 call. Now, if the market goes down, I still make money. I'm still bearish. I still get paid on day one and I still wait for the market to move in my favor. I'm not doing anything actively on my part. So I keep that profile the same. But now that 35 call that I bought prevents me from having an unlimited loss. It does take back a little bit of the premium I got when I sold the 30. That's a true statement. But at the end of the day, it's a trade-off I'm willing to make. I, I cap my gain a little bit, but I absolutely cap my loss, which here was gonna be infinite. And I don't change my profile, I'm still bearish. So those are some of the different ways you want to think about options. For a lot of people, options is a bit of a puzzle game. There's four or five ways to do exactly the same thing. So you actually really need to start with the goal. What does this investor want to achieve? And you focus on the big three there. What is his sentiment, bullish or bearish? 
what's he willing to gain and what's he willing to lose in a very loose kind of way. I'm willing to lose a little bit of money, premium-ish. I'm looking to try and get a large amount of money or backwards even. I'm in a scenario where I'm willing to risk a lot of money to only make a little if it means I'm more likely to actually win. If I increase my probability of winning, I'm a willing or allowing myself to have those numbers be skewed a little bit. When you answer those questions, then you'll notice it actually limits the kinds of strategies that even make sense in your scenario. If you are a bullish investor, or if the question sets it up that way, then already you're not going to be starting with a short call position that doesn't match his sentiment. So if you can work through those three, is he bullish or bearish? What's the profile on the gain, big or little? What's the profile on the lost, big or little? And does he pay it up front or does he get it on the back end? Those kinds of questions are the questions that are going to help limit how many of the answers even make sense for what could be probable to be the answer you wanted. And from there, it's just drilling down to the specific answer for the question that you're dealing with at that particular moment. So that's a little bit of the context around why options. In order to summarize, in general, an option player is somebody who wants to use less money to achieve the same goal as somebody else. They can do it in a single leg faction or a multi-leg faction. And the real thing that you want to focus on is what direction is the investor interested in? How much capital is he willing to front to take the risk part of it? And how much reward is he trying to get on out of the risk in which he's willing to put in? And that will give you the costs and the benefits necessary to pick the strategy that makes the most amount of sense. Thanks for listening today, and I'll catch you next time.